I'm Brendan. And I'm Tara. And this is Now We're Farming. I took a break for a bit, went on a bit of a vacation. We're back. Uh, what are we talking about this week? This week, we're talking about raising kids on a farm. And we know a lot about this. We do. So we are the proud parents of four children, age 17, 10, 8, and 4. Yeah, pretty good spread. And yeah. they've been around pretty much the entire time we've been farming, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah the whole time. So... Having kids on the farm can be really, really fun, but it also can be really, really stressful. And there's definitely pros and cons to being a family farm. So one of the pros is that you are getting your kids out every single day. They're in nature. They're exploring. um, And they're able to connect with nature on a really primitive scale. Right. It's more more intimate. So, you know, kids learn about farm animals and they go to the zoo and they see stuff on tv and there's a there's a lot done for kids that are stuck in the city to sort of get exposed to nature through a a variety of different ways but the one yeah the one really nice thing about being on a farm is that there's a lot of firsthand experience with nature so whether you have animals on your farm or you or you're just growing things um there is a kind of a connection there that's made very early on and it's every day that they're exposed to this stuff so um yeah it's it's a lot more intimate yeah and they have they don't see it as being strange or odd that they have chickens walking around their backyard they just grow up with that that's all that they ever know and so there's something really innocent and sweet to that where your kid that's just their world and that i like giving them that yeah yeah it's great The other thing is that they understand where their food comes from. So they have a really deep understanding of the food cycle in itself and that uh, chicken is chicken and that pork does come from a pig and that beef is a cow. And they are still comfortable with eating those things. I remember... We, we sort of, we always told them this, but I, I remember we used to have a rooster. It was like, what was his name? Reggie? Reggie. Yeah. yeah. So we had this beautiful rooster. He was spectacular. I, it was like a barred rock or something. He was this like black and white speckled rooster. And uh, we were really proud to get him. I think we, we found him on a classified site like Kijiji or something and, and went out and bought him and and he was magnificent. I remember people would come over and they would look at Reggie. They'd see him in the distance. They're like, wow, he's perfect. Mm-hmm. But Reggie, now he was free range with the rest of the chickens. Yeah, wandered around wherever he wanted. He was nasty. He was very protective. Yes, he, he was. He would drop kick people with his talons. <laughs> and he would. Yes. Yeah, and he would, he would draw blood. Picture this little... I, I don't know, how heavy would he have been, like six pounds or something? I don't yeah. He was a lot of fluff. Sub 10 pounds for sure. Right. The, this gigantic, uh, you know, gigantic, beautiful feathers in black and white. And he would walk up to you and, you know, uh, by all appearances, be very friendly. 
But a rooster's job, uh, besides breeding, is to protect the flock. And so Reggie would walk up to you, and if he liked you, things were cool. But if Reggie didn't like you, uh, if you're not familiar with roosters, they have these little, like, claws. Talons. Yeah. It, w- w- there's a name for it. It's escaping me right now. Um, but, yeah, they can hit you with the back of their foot or with the back of their leg. And if they – it's yeah, it's like a drop kick, right? And so Reggie would come up to you, and if he didn't like you, he would drop kick you, which was really foreign to anybody that's never been around chickens before. And, yeah, he'd scratch you and hurt you. And, and there's something really, like, it's like a road rage. It, like, when a chicken kicks you, <laughs> you yeah. it, like, stirs something primal where you just want to, like, boot that chicken across the road. But, you know, yeah. you can't do that. He's, no. he's doing his job, and, and uh, he might see you as a threat. But, anyway, pulling this back, the kids got to be afraid of Reggie, right? Yeah, he started to attack the children on almost a daily basis and it was that like we would have visitors come to the house and they get to go out of the car and Reggie would be there waiting for them <laughs> yeah it was intimidating <laughs> I mean I wasn't afraid of Reggie at all and I think he knew that he never attacked me but if he thought he could spook you he went for it and so yeah the kids got to fear Reggie and I don't think he could have done any serious damage to the kids but they were afraid of this little bird running they were afraid to even play in their backyard yeah so I mean certainly that's a downside but it came time to be done with Reggie yes we had to process him we processed which is just a fancy name for we butchered Reggie um, and I remember uh, now he was a little older, so he was a little tougher. He was a little tougher, so I decided nothing goes to waste. And so we decided they were going to make him into a pot pie. Yeah, chicken pot pie. And we and called it Reggie Pot Pie. Yeah, and the kids loved it. And the kids loved it. Now, um, he when, by the time they, they saw him again, he looked like a regular grocery store chicken. So um, his head had been removed and his legs had been removed and it was just looks like a normal grocery store chicken and so I was cutting him up for the pot pie and then my daughter came up to me and she's like is that Reggie and I said well yes it was Reggie and she said "Um, it'd be much easier to cut him up if you could stand him up and I said yes but she's like you cut his legs off and his face (laughs) (laughs) that sounds very morbid it's a morbid sense of humor but it's the, the point of this is that she understood. She understood that that was Reggie. Yes. And that Reggie was gone and that Reggie was now dinner and that that was a circle and a completion of the food cycle that we had raised him and that now he was dinner. And it's not to say that the kids, like, I, th- I think developed this um, lack of caring for the animals because they certainly saw, was it Reggie that we had rescued from the cold that one time? We had a rooster at one point. We had a rooster at one point that I think in the dead of winter fell in between some bales. Yeah. And he got so stiff when we discovered him that we pulled him out and we brought him into the kitchen. And that we, I had just gotten renovated. <laughs> we brought him into the kitchen and we warmed him up in the sink, um, fully alive. Like he's sitting there, a rooster in the kitchen under some warm water to sort of thaw him out and... and bring him back to health and so the kids get to see you know not just that chickens equal food 
um, but also that we still care a lot about these animals and that they they are important to us. Their well-being is their well-beings, and they they've seen us bring lambs into the house and, yeah. and get bottle fed and all those things when it's cold for them outside too. And we've always had this very strict rule with the kids that if they were to come to us and say, "Listen, we're not comfortable with eating meat or comfortable eating dairy." and what they wanted to be vegetarians or vegans because we've opened them up to the food cycle we would totally be supportive of that yeah i think so i i mean maybe when challenged i might push back a little bit but i i think that no yeah they're they're allowed to have uh you know their own opinions and stuff within reason within reason but like i think that when you when you take the time to take children into this kind of lifestyle and you're showing them the ins and the outs of where their food comes from then you need to be able to accept that they may not agree with it and then um, adjust their diets to accommodate that you can't force them to be okay with it the next part of parenting on a farm is building your children's work ethic so it's another pro but our kids have jobs and we're kind of just starting to do this i mean our youngest one is four um, so her getting jobs is still like feeding the dogs and the cats, but they're starting to get to have jobs in and around the farm. We're sort of learning how to do this well, uh, because the kids, you know, you can't trust a child to follow directions exactly. Uh, yeah, they are learning that whether you feel like it or not from watching us, that even on the coldest days or the latest nights, the animals must be fed. The animals must be looked after. The garden must be weeded. Uh, that the weather is dictating a lot of what happens. And you don't always get to choose when you work. Uh, sometimes Mother Nature decides that for you. And whether you like it or not, you have to go out. And so that work ethic, um, I think they're seeing it um, and what's involved. And they're also being a part of it. And that, you know, it doesn't matter that you're too tired you know something out there needs to be fed yeah and it builds this team morale with them where they feel like our family is absolutely a team that we are out there working together to get the jobs done and it's a a group effort and that everybody pulls their weight right so because our kids are outside every single day and they are having their chores and all that the other side effect of that is that they're getting exercise Every single day. So they're lifting heavy things, they're running across the property, they are being physical in their chores. So that kind of brings us to the cons of having children on a farm. And I will say that the biggest con for me at the beginning is pregnancy on a farm. Right. We ran into this a lot. We had a, we had a few babies there in a, a fairly quick, quick succession. succession. Yeah. And having three pregnancies in a row, two of which were farm pregnancies... I was tired. I was really tired and stuff still needed to get done, but you're carrying around a baby the entire time and you're not feeling great. And then you're not able to do some of the things like heavy lifting. And then there's other hazardous things. There's slipping and falling and tripping. You're around big animals that bump you and knock you over. And then there's other things like touching an electric fence when pregnant and things like that that you know, I did on accident and had to go to the hospital to get checked out. So being pregnant on a farm is not easy. Um, and it's very cumbersome and, and uncomfortable. And you definitely, I think, when you get into like a larger scale farm, you can't really do it alone. 
Right. And we, I think for, for the first few years farming, there was never a time where we didn't have a small child in the house um, that needed to be watched, that needed to be, you know, looked after. And it wasn't always practical to bring a, a baby or a toddler um, out with you to do chores. And so it was pretty common for us to have to, you know, divide uh, divide and conquer on the chores. It was, you know, it was a lot of me going out. Uh, well, like, quite frankly, it was a, almost all me going outside to do chores. Um, and it needed to be that way. You know, that's where I was the most useful and you were the most useful in the house. And like we sort of slipped into these like traditional gender roles and we've never been about that type of thing, but it just made the most sense. And so I think what we got really good at um, over time, it took a while, was just understanding that, you know, the division of labor is the division of labor and to not get upset if you're feeling like there's some sort of disparity between you know, well, I just lugged a couple hundred pounds of water and you were in here watching TV with the baby or I just made a big meal and you were sitting, you know, in the field for half an hour doing nothing. And um, I think, you know, you need to sort of understand that both of those roles are needed and important and um, you're, you're doing it for each other, that you cannot do it by yourself. Um, you do need help and that... You know, whether it's a friend or a spouse or or whatever, um, farming is not a uh, farming with kids anyway is not something you can do by yourself. You you do need help to uh, you know to make it work. Yeah, and I think um, there were times that I really missed being out and being able to do the chores with the animals that I would have preferred to do that than be stuck in the house with screaming children. Yeah. And there's having to say, like, I need to be the one that do, does this and taking those moments to get out and switching roles every once in a while. That's uh, really, really important to that work balance, that work life and farm life balance. Well, I think the thing that I always found kind of funny, and I know it drove you crazy, was that uh, the optics, right? So, I mean, we would go see family and friends and, and we would, you know, they would ask us about our farm. And it was always kind of like, oh, well, this is Brendan's farm or, or, well, Brendan's doing all of the work or what, what have you. And they wouldn't see hear our conversations, our planning, our endless talking about this, that, or the other, that, that the farm was very much a, a something we were doing together, but it just was that, you know, you were being held inside or your time was being consumed and uh, I was helping you out. You know, this yeah. was your farm as much as it was mine, um, but I was helping out where I could and uh, and you were doing the same and certainly uh you know dad would would be inside every once in a while uh when when you wanted to escape you know yeah. you wanted you wanted quiet time and you go out with the sheep or go out with the chickens or or go see your horses you know and and uh so yeah did we slip into those classic gender roles during that period of our life we totally did but I think you just have to stay strong as a couple and I, I don't want this to turn into like couples therapy <laughs> but um, I think you just have to respect each other. If we ever fought about anything, uh, it was always about the division of labor. Yes. That somebody felt like they were working more than the other. And uh, I mean, we're just now getting to that part where we we are starting to respect that each of us is doing a ton of work all the time. 
Yes. And we're starting, like I'm now able to start going outside. I mean, I have a 17-year-old who can watch the four-year-olds that I can go out and do some farm stuff. Yes. And we can do things together. And so we're able to get outside more. But it's taken a very long time to get there. The other thing that we're constantly worrying about is safety with the children on the farm. So I work full-time in health and safety, so I'm looking at hazards every single day, and I go into farm life, and I'm doing the same thing. There are numerous safety areas that are concerning outside, always. Yeah, the farm is is a nightmare. Uh, And it's funny because, like, as an adult, you don't really see all these hazards but if you the moment you send a toddler through they're (laughs) everywhere and i I think what it just comes down to is that young kids uh, don't have common sense yet about a lot of things um and they they don't understand that you know uh barn wiring and electrical is is uh you know not necessarily that safe or that you know a rusty nail sticking out of a a old barn board uh uh, you know, could have all kinds of nasty things on it or that an animal... Might kick um, or bite. Yeah, that, you know, how to recognize an angry animal or, you know, where to stand on an animal or to not put your hand in an animal's mouth uh, or, you know, that a tractor might roll. I mean, I could go on. There are a million things. Yes. And so I think you kind of have to be crazy with your kids about farm safety don't take risks and just be really cautious with stuff explain things to them you know what can happen what what are the dangers of this and just get into the habit of um, explaining to them and don't spare the details on why the tractor is dangerous or why the lawnmower is dangerous or why or or why the uh, you know, rooster is dangerous or, or what have you. You have to explain it to them, but you also don't want to make them scared of their surroundings either. I mean, I don't want to send them out and be like, everything outside is going to kill you. Right. And so you need to be you need to be terrified at all moments because that's <laughs> sure. going to keep for some kids that are just going to want to stay inside all the time. But sending them outside and saying, this is really dangerous if you do it like this, but here's a really safe way of doing it. Or here's how you do it safely. Or here's you know what, when you're outside, don't go over here, but you're absolutely welcome to go over here. Here's a safe place to be. And giving them those avenues of still being outside and exploring and helping out and being a part of the business, but also doing it safely. Yeah, and I think too, you this is where you could impart some of your experience when you start working with certain types of either livestock or uh, machinery. You can impart some of your experience onto your children. For example, uh, you know, we have beehives and... I, the kids feel very comfortable walking up to a beehive with tens of thousands of bees in it, uh, you know, within a foot uh, w- without issue. But the kids have been trained to know, you know, what angry bees sound like and what they smell like and, um, you know, what time of day is a good time to be around bees and what to do uh, when you get stung. And, um, and don't kick or knock over the beehives. Yeah. Or you know, what makes be gentle bees... around them. What makes bees angry? Uh, you know, all kinds of things like that. And even with the horses, you know, what does an angry horse look like? Why shouldn't you walk behind a horse? Where and, should you stand when near a horse? Right. Yeah. And so all of those things, those little precautions, those little tips that you're giving your kids, they remember. And um, I think it it's not about being afraid of what's on the farm. It's just respecting 
that uh, accidents can happen very quickly and not to take stupid risks. Yeah, and having to go over that every time a kid comes onto the farm. So it's not even just your kids. When city kids come onto the farm or their friends or any other kids, you're having to run down this list of don't do this, but you can do this, and don't touch that, but you can't touch this. And it's exhausting at some points, but it's necessary, and it's definitely part of having kids on a farm. I grew up in the suburbs um, as a kid, and so I had that childhood experience where I was able to get on a bike and ride to my friend's house and walk to my friend's house, and I would leave shortly after breakfast and not come home until dinner time. And the one big negative of having a farm is that it's really hard for kids to do that. There's no neighborhood kids sitting across the street or down the road that they can easily walk to, especially when you're on a busy road like we are, where they can just have those relationships where they're gone all day and having fun with their friends. Yeah, uh, rural living is, is isolating. And uh, it's not to say that you can't make friends in the country. I mean, I grew up in the country, and uh, I had friends down the road that I, you know, might, I might bike to their house, and we'd go, you know, catch leeches in the irrigation creeks and walk back to the bush and all that stuff. And it's not that that stuff is rare or that it doesn't happen, but you have to work harder to make it happen. And uh, the kids you know, certainly are aware of these limitations because they're potentially exposed to other kids that don't have these limitations. You know, like uh, simple things like like the logistics, Um, going into town to get the cool clothes. Well, you know, you might have to go into the city for for options like that. And fast internet. Uh, We're in the era of Facebook and YouTube and video on demand and all of these services. Uh, online gaming and all this stuff and the kids are all about that and so if their friends are in town and have access to you know rapid internet and all this stuff they're very aware of the limited options that mom and dad are able to provide living out in the middle of nowhere um, so that they can farm and so that's definitely a downside and the kids at a young age may not appreciate open spaces if their YouTube is buffering. <laughs> um, and we're certainly going through that right now where, you know, there is a trade-off and things that we value um, as important to us based on, you know, 30 plus years of growing up, they don't really matter as much to a six-year-old or to a 10-year-old. No, I remember begging my mother for a pony as a kid. Just, I would have done anything to have had a pony of my own. And I lived through my children by getting them a pony um, as an adult. So I went and bought them a pony and I got it off the trailer and I was like, look guys, I got you a pony. And nobody seemed nearly as excited about it as I did. <laughs> yeah, they, they were all kind of like, that's great. And I said to my daughter, I'm like, do you know how lucky you are to have your own pony? And she's at a farm elementary school, like an agricultural elementary school. And she was like, everybody in my class has a pony mom. Yeah, so she just didn't really appreciate it. No, she didn't appreciate it at all. She thought it was silly. Yeah, and just nothing wrong with that. I think she just, like, she had grown up with this being normal, and uh, it wasn't that big of a deal. And that's kind of what we find with all of the kids, that having animals around the house and 
being in the farm is not really that special to them because it's all they've ever known. Yeah, like we've even had lambs living in the house with diapers and onesies on, and the kids are kind of like, yeah, that's normal. And they... Well, temporarily, right? When temporarily, we were, yeah, not permanently. But yeah. but when during cold spells, when the mother has rejected them, we'll have them in the house with us because it's much easier when you're feeding them every couple hours. And the kids are just kind of like, that's normal to have a lamb by the fireplace. Right, yeah. yeah. It's also important that when your kids don't appreciate it, they might be telling you that farming is just not their thing. Yeah, and we, we've worked really hard to get our farm... And so it does hurt a little bit when you see your kids not really taking that much interest. And that's not the case for all of our kids. We definitely have one there, I think, that seems to be really into the animals and seems to be into the farm. And then another that seems to be into certain aspects of it. Um, And then another one that seems to be showing no interest in the farm. Um, And I think we've sort of learned to just go with the flow that kids are going to do what they want to do and and you need to sort of nurture that right yeah like our um son or one son is kind of like he likes the tractor part of it and any kind of machinery side of things but he's not really into the livestock yeah he'll do his chores without complaining he's the one kid that you can say to him go and feed the pigs and he goes out and does it and doesn't say boo to me about it my youngest daughter loves the animals um she really enjoys spending time with them but my oldest daughter wants nothing to do with any of it and if I ask her to do a barn chore I get a lot of it's not wasn't my decision to get a farm and (laughs) a little bit of sass a little bit of sass coming back and she's 10 that's what she should be doing right now but you know she's like it's not my fault you bought a farm and so when you're dealing with that kind of attitude it's you're having to realize that you know she might not like being a farmer and that's okay and she'll find her own niche in the world and she'll go off and do it but what she is learning is work ethic in the meantime and she is still learning where her food comes from and empathy and she's still taking all of these life skills that she's getting from the farm and she'll apply it to whatever she does in the future and that's and that's the important part of having the kids on the farm and i think it it's important too that you know they're not all suffering all of the kids uh, I see every day enjoying certain elements of rural life or some elements of uh, the farm that we're running, whether it's uh, being out on the swing in the field or under the tree or playing baseball in the big backyard um, or even, you know, just just enjoying the animals or um you know, being out in the pool or something and being able to be loud, you know, uh, banging the drums or turning up music or uh, staying up late and not having to be considerate of neighbors. Uh, There's just lots of little perks that I think they all kind of enjoy in their own ways and ways that matter to them. Uh, And uh, it's okay that they're not into everything because they're definitely enjoying um, other aspects. And they don't see them as perks yet. Because they haven't seen the other side of the world. Yes. They haven't seen how the other half lives. And so I think that it's one of those things where they will appreciate it much more when they are moved out and living in their city lives or if, if that's what they choose to do. And they'll see that they had these little special things that were really only available to them on the farm life. So that was good? That was good. Are you doing chores tonight or am I? Oh, let's go feed the animals. <laughs>